uh, as you know, we're in a series called Resurrection Stories, and we're trying to not just look through the Gospels. Um, we're, we're looking at looking at Jesus' interaction with people and how he turned people from death to life, from darkness to light, from discouragement to hope, from brokenness to healing. We're, we're looking at that in the scriptures, but we're also trying to tell some of our own stories here at One Chapel and what God has done in our community. And so uh, today, we're going to have a live um, interview kind of format here where we're going to tell one of the stories of our own. And uh, this, uh, this man is such a blessing to me. He's been around here practically since the beginning uh, when we were meeting at Manchek Baptist in the youth room upstairs and having little launch team meetings uh, five years ago, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, so, so, um, so really a blessing all over the place around here, plays bass guitar in the worship team, uh, leads the, the ministry of interpretation for uh, Spanish, uh, com- the Spanish community, uh, leads connect groups, um, has just been an incredible blessing, and he's getting ready. He's had this desire in his heart for, for several years, and, and he told me about it, you know, just very shortly after I met him, and it is a desire to go to China and to be a missionary. That's, it has happened. He's getting ready. He's ramping up. He's going to go to China to work with an organization there this summer. And so we're going to send him. We're going to bless him. We're, uh, he's raising money right now, and we're trying to, to make sure that he has everything he needs as he leaves for China. And so I'm so blessed to hear, I want you to hear, the resurrection story of Eric Gomez. Come on, give him a huge, give him a huge hand. So Eric, why don't you uh, why don't you just give us you just begin the story, and I'll kind of begin to interject a little bit as I have questions. Okay, okay. sounds good. So for me, uh, really I, throughout my life since I was in college, um, I always had some kind of pain in my body. And when I was in college, you know, it's always if I ever went to the doctor, it was always uh, you know it's stress related. You know, you're studying and working at the same time, so. She's getting tired, too. You just need to go to the gym, you know, work out a little bit and right. knock that out. It's always the answer. It's always the answer, yeah. Go to the gym. Yeah. Never never really worked. Eat not, better. I got more stress bec- yeah. and less, you know. Right. Uh, I got more stress because I had to spend money on the gym now. No, <laughs> no but uh, so it, it really it really never never happened, uh, never really went away. You know, they mm-hmm. get me Advil, Tylenol, things like that. So I kind of got used to just living with a certain amount of pain in my body. And it was just it, you know. That mm-hmm. was that was just yep. my life. Um, and, but were, and were you a believer at this time? I was. Yeah, you I was a believer. Okay, yeah, you're following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And um, so I, I kind of just let it go. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's what it is. That's my life. But what what really uh, changed it for me uh, was years after that. I I remember I was leaving uh, leaving my office and I got into my car and I'm just going home at the end of the day and um, I I got in the car and before you knew it I was home. You know, I just didn't remember how I got home. <laughs> I just got in the car and, and, and was there. And so so you'd either blacked out mm-hmm. or you'd been transported. Right, right. And since I'm not a big Trekkie fan, yeah, yeah, I, okay. I think so I was a blackout. You yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Marcus would say you'd been transported. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Knocked out or something. Uh, yeah. right? uh, but uh, so that really concerned Scare- me. It scared you. Yeah, it really concerned yeah. me because it wasn't one of those routine, you know, you kind of, yeah, yeah. you're kind of distracted. You know, it was just, I didn't know what happened. 
So I, I went to the doctor again, and I remember saying to myself, I'm not going to let them tell me to go to the gym again. You know, this is not going to be a, a gym solution. I need the real solution. So I go to the doctor. He does more tests. This is just a family practitioner, right? And he can't really um, figure it out. Mm -hmm. So he sends me to a neurologist because of what I had, right, of, of that blackout thing. He goes like, well, maybe he can figure something out. A neurologist. A neurologist, yeah. yeah. Okay. So when I, when I get there, you know, I tell him all the story. He goes through my charts and he goes through everything. And the first thing he tells me says, all your symptoms and everything that's happened to you point to multiple sclerosis. Hmm. I didn't really know what it was. You know, I kind of mm -hmm. heard a little bit about mm -hmm. it in the past. But so he starts explaining to me what, what can happen. And then say that. he says, you know, this, this disease causes a whole bunch of symptoms from dizziness, numbness in your in extremities, you know, and loss of walking, loss of cognitive stuff, just bodily function problems, and he just goes through the list and list and list. Mm. And I'm like, wow, no, I'd rather go to the gym, doctor, you know? <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah. but no, as I said earlier, this is, it was an ass funny at that yeah, point, right? Yeah. It's, it's so we went, we, I went through several other doctors, and at the end, the, the conclusion was that. It was, uh, it was multiple sclerosis. So needless to say, I got really scared, mm -hmm. you know, really kind of anxious and uh, disillusioned and what's mm -hmm. gonna happen with the future, mm -hmm. uh, with my kids, my wife. Mm -hmm. I remember driving home that day, uh, the, the day where it officially got confirmed and I was crying in the car and um, just, you know, just getting mm -hmm. over it. And I, when I get home, I'm like, no, 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 you can't cry. You know, you're gonna tell this to your wife, so be strong, you know? So I walk in home and I tell her and we cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, mm -hmm. Can't help it. Yeah. But that was, that was kind of just the beginning. Hmm. You know, that was, uh, it was, it was bad at that point, but it just got, it's, it just started getting About what worse. year was that? This was about in 2006. Okay. About right. 2006, yeah. So uh, we get, um, it just starts getting worse, yeah. right? It just starts yeah. getting bad, bad, yeah. bad. Um, my symptoms, the worst symptoms for me were, were pain. That okay. was the, the worst of all. Uh, my kids were already trained to ask me, you know, dad, can we touch you today? It's yeah. one of those things. We, we, I couldn't play with my mm. kids. I couldn't, you know, wrestle around. Yeah. I couldn't even hug them sometimes mm. because just a simple touch would really, really be painful. Wow. Um, and then tremors in my body and then mm. the cognitive issues starting kicking in, you know, and things mm. like that. I was working, uh, I'm a software developer, so that really caused an issue. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yeah. laughs> Had to think there and uh, so it was causing issues there. Um, so it, it, it my body, my physic, my physic just started degrading. Yeah. And the wow. doctor did say that it was uh, one of the most aggressive types of MS. Um, so it was, uh, he was, he told me that within three to five years, I wasn't going to be walking. I probably wasn't going to be working uh, in the same job because wow. I couldn't, I wasn't yeah. going to be able to do it. Wow. So tell, tell me what happened in 2009. In 2009. So we, we get there and we get at the end of this and this is, um, a Sunday, it's a, a Sunday, and I and I remember this Sunday was kind of the best Sunday that, that you had that, in a while. That I had in a while, yeah. yeah, that I had in all these years. I was, I got there that I woke up that Sunday, and I felt really strong. I felt really not a lot of pain, I, not a lot because as I still had a little bit. I went to church, you know, we did all the stuff mm -hmm. and everything, and I'm like, wow, this is this is great. And I was, I remember thinking to myself, God, if this is th if this is my healing, I'll take it. You know, <laughs> maybe it's not a hundred percent, but it's good enough. Yeah. Uh, well, Monday I wake up and it's probably the worst day that I'm that I had in, in all that season. Hmm. So it, it it turned into oh no this is this wasn't the healing yeah. right I get all sad again but I had to go to work so I ended up going to work so 
tell my wife, you know, I need you to pray for me because this is um, it's tough today. Mm. Um, so I head to work, you know, I call them again in the middle of the day because I'm struggling. But at the end, I decide go to my meeting up North Austin and uh, get in the car. But before I get there, I can't, I can't get to, I can't get to my location. You're in I'm the car, but you just are running out of energy. Out of energy. And just and discouraged. Yeah, and a lot of pain. Yeah, uh, okay. energy, uh, lack of energy and a lot of pain. So okay. I just park, and I call my wife, and I'm like, you know, you know what? I, I shouldn't have come. So I'm just gonna park here. Imagine this building here. You know, I parked right outside there, and I'm like, I, I'm just gonna wait here until this kind of passes and go home. So I'm sitting there. They're praying uh, at home, and. Um, before I know it, somebody parks like five cars behind me. And I look in the mirror and I'm thinking, yeah, they're gonna move me because I'm parked in the wrong spot, right? So probably they're gonna come and tell me something. A few minutes go by, the guy comes out of the car, knocks on my window, and uh, I'm ready with my spiel, right? And I go like, hey, sorry, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling really well. I know I'm parked incorrectly, but uh, I'll move when I feel better. And he goes like, no, 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 don't worry. Uh, everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> and I remember thinking, yeah, thank you, buddy. You know, you have no idea what's going on in my life, but thank you for Thanks encouraging me. You're such a great guy. <laughs> and uh, Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, leave me alone. I'm trying to get better here. I, of course, it's just on my head, right? Mm -hmm. But he just keeps saying that. But then he says something really weird to me. He says, you know, we, we were supposed to help you before, but we're here to help you now. So everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, guy, right? I don't know what's going on, but before you know it, the guy goes back to the car, and I'm like, okay, thank you. The guy's gone. You know, I can, can keep resting. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, he doesn't come back. Mm -hmm. But he does come back. You know, a few minutes later, comes, comes back, and he keeps saying the same thing, right? You know, everything's going to be fine, and we were supposed to help you before, but we're here to help you now. And he comes with a glass full of water, you know, just a, a, a regular kitchen glass full of water. Like it like a glass, like a glass. open container. Exactly, like if I went to your house and you offered me a yeah, glass yeah. of water, right? Just like wow. that. <laughs> yeah, from his car. And, and as I said, it, it, it doesn't even say, you know, it doesn't even say sanitize for your protection or anything yeah, like that. Right? It's just <laughs> right. like that, you know? So, <laughs> and he says, everything's gonna be fine. And he says, here, have a drink of water. And I'm like, no way am I gonna have a drink of water from a crazy guy that has no idea what's happening to me. And, and so it, I'm thinking with my mind, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, but. In, in that moment, he, he reaches into the truck and he puts his hand on my shoulders. And as soon as he puts his hand on my shoulders, I just feel this peace come over me. Like, like my mind stops thinking and now I start thinking with my heart, with my spirit, my mm -hmm. soul, I guess. And he keeps saying the same words and he offers me the water. Right at that time, I remember I grabbed the water and I start shaking and I take a couple of sips of water and not thinking anything about of it. And um, you know, I'm in this weird state and after a little while, I come back to my senses, and the guy's not there, the water's not there, I look back, and the car's not there. But even better, the pain's not there. I mean, I, I feel my legs, I feel my arms, and there's nothing. I get off the car, I start moving, you know, it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, People on the side of the road would see you dancing. Right, you see me doing those kind yeah. of things. <laughs> but it's, uh, and, and since then, up to this point, no symptoms, no uh, reappearance of the illness. <laughs> I went and had MRIs done, and nothing was there anymore. And wow. It was, uh, it was God, God's power, God's resurrection. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. That is an incredible story. So since then, mm -hmm. no symptoms, nothing. Nothing. The, uh, all the MRIs, nothing. Everything shows the, even the, I think you the, told me the about lesions, the, the yeah. lesions on your nerves. Disappeared. They disappeared. Yeah, they don't, yeah. They're, they're not there anymore. 
<laughs> so, this Eric was supposed to speak last week, supposed to give his testimony last week. On Saturday, he calls me and says, I'm, I'm so sick, I can't, I don't think I can be here. He's going to give a testimony about getting healed, and he's sick. <laughs> and, and some strange, uh, like, inflammation, he thought it was his sinuses and different things at first, but it got into the back of his head, and then he went, had to go to the doctor, spent like five hours in the ER. At one point, they said, oh, we think you have meningitis. At another point, as they did some more tests, they're like, oh, we think you have lupus, right? Like, the, like this just crazy stuff. He, he, he goes back home. They give him some, just some inflammation, anti-inflammatory stuff. He goes the next day, and they kind of do some more tests. They're like, oh, no, it's, it's not meningitis, and it's not lupus. I guess this was Monday that you did that, right? Yeah, yeah. They did yeah. And so not, not meningitis, not lupus. In fact, we don't really know what it is. We need to do some more tests. But, of course, by then he was feeling fine. <laughs> what I'm telling you is there are two realms we live in. And I don't think, I don't think the devil wanted him to share his testimony. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He got here today. He's going to go to China. He's in the war for for what God is calling him to do. I want you to pray for him, all right? Let's, let's pray for him together. Father, thank you for what you've done in, in Eric. Thank you for how you've healed him. Thank you for the testimony of your great power that comes to bear on the life of every person who believes in you. Lord, we thank you for this, and now we pray over him that you would provide for his every need. Yes. You would continue yes. to, to cause him to be strong and sturdy as he goes on this, really, this mission, this purpose that you've put in his heart. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would continue to, to work in him, in his story, his resurrection story, and so that he can tell people about the greatness of God and what God has done in his life. Yes. Father, empower him, grace him, surround him, protect him, and provide everything he needs. We pray over him and bless his family Amen. today, and thank you for the great work you've done in him. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Eric. Man, I am, I, I, I've heard that story a couple of times now, and I, I, I get so fired up when I hear it because it puts faith in my soul. You know, the reason I put the first verse in your message notes in this, in this story is I wanted, I wanted you to see another place in the scriptures where angels showed up to somebody and said, I was supposed to be here earlier. We're supposed to come, but now, now we're here. And Daniel, it happened to Daniel. And, and, and some angelic beings were detained by the war that was going on. And finally they made it and, and appeared to Daniel and said, we're here now to help you. Here's what God's doing. And, and I, I think it's important for us to understand that we live in two realms we live in two realms, and immediately you begin to think the two realms are physical and spiritual, and that's not your fill in the blank. The two realms we live in are life and death. I, I think there's too many people, and even Christians, who separate the physical from the spiritual. That's not God's plan for us. He's trying to intertwine those two things so that our spiritual lives begin to pour out into our physical lives, and our physical lives, as we're doing things, begin to contribute to what God's purposes are in the earth spiritually. And he's trying to bring those things together and help us see clearly that it's one life, not two separate entities. 
But here's the thing. People live in life and they live in death. They live in the life that Jesus has for them or they live in the brokenness and the death that fills up this world. And what I want to challenge you in this series is I'm trying to encourage us to think about the resurrection life that Jesus Christ himself experienced that raised him from the dead and that Romans 8 says, you and I as believers in Jesus have operating inside of us. And that means that life has so much power, so much energy that it can free you of the bondages of your past, the woundedness of your past, the sins that so easily entangle you. And if you're new to faith, if you're, if you're trying to figure out the claims of Jesus, I just want to encourage you, the scriptures are full of stories just like we heard right here with Eric. And that as we look into the scriptures, we find that Jesus did this a lot. And he's interested in resurrection life coming into us. John 10.10 10 is, a, is a really famous passage. And you've, you've heard it probably before if you're a, a believer. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants life to fill us up. Jesus doesn't want the death and the brokenness of this world to be the way we operate or the things we accept. And so the resurrection series that we're going through is not a, an intellectual exercise. It, it is a spiritual encounter. And what I want to challenge you to do here in six more weeks, we're going to have what's called a resurrection retreat. We're going to have it right here. We're going to challenge, each of us are going to challenge one another to let go of the stuff that we've carried, the baggage, the things that have bound us, the things that we need to let go of. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship together. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to learn the scriptures all through these next six weeks. And so I want you to, I want you to think about coming to that. It's uh, May 29 and 30th. And today, today, we're going to, uh, today we're going to look at Mark 5. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark 5. And we're going to read a story about a man who was in trouble. And, and we're going to see the, this dividing line between life and death and how Jesus came in and destroyed death and brought life. So let's pray over the reading of the scripture. Father, in Jesus' name, would you, would you direct us? Would you guide us? Would you illuminate our hearts and minds as we read the scriptures? Holy Spirit, come and speak to us now, even as we share these, t these ideas together and lead us into obedience. Thank you for grace to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark 5, verse 1 says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. This is Jesus and his disciples. So they're in the boat. They're going across the lake to this, this region. And some, some uh, manuscripts would say uh, the Gadarenes, but this is, this, is a, this is a place where um, it's not inhabited necessarily uh, or influenced by Jewish culture. It's influenced by Greek culture. And, and so there's a, there, there's a new group of people here who really haven't understood who Jesus is. And Jesus is going across the lake and, and coming to, to this location. And verse 2 says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. 
This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This is the welcome wagon Jesus gets as he lands on the beach. This guy comes out of the tombs. He's living among the dead. I think it describes many of us. In our culture, people are trying to live a life that's full, but they're dead. They're dead spiritually. And they're trying to fill their lives with things so that they can feel alive. It's really hard to live as a dead person. This man is living among the tombs. He's, he's living here because he's, been, he's become alienated, separated, isolated. He's been so damaging to his community that now he's, he's, he's in a place by himself. And he's, and he's so miserable. He's full of such agony. He's cutting himself and he's tormented. This is the devil's plan for you and for me, to isolate us, to, to, for, to cause us to be consumed with death, with brokenness, and, and for him to, then to, for us to get isolated and alienated from our community. I want to challenge you, One Chapel. There is a scheme of the enemy right now in our church to try to make people feel alienated and isolated, like they don't have anybody, like they're not connected, like they're just trying to live life on their own. I want you to see it for what it is. It's a lie. You belong. You belong to Jesus, you belong to the community of Christ, and you belong to this community. And so I, I think this, this man went through years of them trying to figure out what's wrong and how are they going to do this. And it's just like us. We just try all the natural options. Go to the gym. <laughs> go, go to the gym. They're trying to, they're trying to chain him up, and he, he's so strong. It's amazing that he's so strong. How is he strong enough to break these chains? Let me tell you, let me tell you something. People think, people think that God is in control of everything. God's not into control. He's into relationship. The devil's into control. He wants to control people. He wants to influence people in a very controlling way. This guy, his, his, his will and the, the supernatural thing that was going on inside of him was so powerful, he could break stuff, uh, uh, that, uh, break open chains that were trying to bind him and keep everybody else safe. Here's what I'll tell you. I think we have power to resist God if we want to. We have power to reject people. We can choose. So many people, they get hung up on this thing. Well, why is God doing this for me? Listen, it's not God. They blame God for things the devil is doing. The world is full of brokenness, full of people who are agonizing. And there's, there's, a, there's a, 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 tr a, a process of trying to figure out how can we be safe from this guy. And, and, and I don't even know that they were thinking about how to help him. They were just trying to put up with him. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. I want you to underline that verse because we'll come back to it. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, he says, swear to God that you won't torture me. Now, it's not the man speaking. 
Because verse 8 shows us what had happened. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. So Jesus is speaking to the evil spirit, and the evil spirit responds to him. Um, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where somebody is under the influence of a demonic entity, but it is super creepy. Here's what I want you to think about today, because we're almost out of time. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Eric took it all. So, <laughs> here's what I want you to think about today. People get hung up on whether a Christian can be demon-possessed or whatever, all right? I have a really wonderful didactic sort of teaching thing I could show you today, but here's what I want you to understand, is the devil is into controlling people any way he can and influencing them in his own dark ways, broken, death-filled directives. He, that's what he's trying to do. And the enemy is real, there is spiritual darkness, evil is real, and the only solution is Jesus Christ himself. The only, way we, the only way we can fight it is what Jesus has done and his authority. And we're going to see Jesus express his authority here. He says in verse 9, he says, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Actually, this, a legion in that day was pro, uh, uh, it described a huge number of soldiers, 6,826 soldiers exactly is what legion actually meant. And so, and so that's a lot of demons. And he said, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area not to send them out of the air. So he's like, don't send it. Please don't send us out of the air. Please don't send us. Again and again, he was begging, don't send us out of the area. Every city has a spiritual climate and it's defined and determined by the spiritual dynamics that are going on in the city. Evil spirits like to grab a hold of places where they can, they can hold on, where they can, where they can, they can stay, and there's an entire, I mean, Jesus, here's a wonderful thing. Jesus actually does everything by permission and his own authority, right? The devil does everything by intimidation and threats and a top-down model. So these guys were scared that so, they were going to get tortured, right, by him sending them out. And so there's a, there's a thing that's happening here where Jesus is confronting the spiritual climate of this area, and it's coming through this man, and he, they're begging him not to send them out of the area. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He, this is so funny. So, so they, they don't want to get out of the area, but they'll go into the pigs. They love the bacon. Give, and let's, let's be honest, bacon makes everything better. So they're, they're, they're to, totally, obviously not a Jewish uh, uh, area, right? So here, so here they are. And so they said, send us into the pigs. And, the, and, and so um, he gave them, look at verse 13. You should take your pen and, and underline that. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned death death 
Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to see to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. What a curious phrase next. And they were afraid. So they're not afraid of the naked, freakishly strong, weird guy running around in the tombs. Okay, what does this suggest? What it suggests is that they were under an influence where their values were all screwed up. In, a, in the next verse, they, they, they tell Jesus to leave. So they lost their pigs. They lost the money, but they've gained a man in his right mind who's been healed. But that was not valuable to them. The money that they lost was valuable to them. And so they just sent Jesus away. I want to challenge you to think about how much you and I are affected, influenced by our own culture and whether or not our values are all screwed up. And make no mistake, the origin of those values, the origin of it is the devil himself, that darkness himself, trying to weave his plan, his sinister deception into our lives and causing us to want things we don't want and, and causing us to, to focus on things that are not helpful for us as Christians. Now, the devil has stuff to work with. You know why? Because James says that sin doesn't come from him, it comes from you. It comes from desire within ourselves. And that desire gives birth to, to sinfulness. But the devil is right there feeding it the whole way. And so whether, it's a, whether you want to see it as a demon on your shoulder whispering to you or whether you want to you know, be concerned about people being possessed by demons, okay, I don't, that doesn't really, I don't really care how you define it. I think the, we've misunderstood it in the scriptures and I think, I think what the scriptures teach is the best description is from the NIV and it says they are demonized. And that means technically, under the influence, under the influence. Being under an influence is what you and I need to be free from, an influence of darkness, an influence of death. And what we want to surrender to is an influence of life. And so, and so look what happens here. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him because he wanted to be with Jesus. And Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know what Jesus was saying? You got to tell your resurrection story. Life has come to you among the tombs. You've been, you've been wandering among the death and destruction and, and, and this, this poison that's in you. You've been functioning in it, but life has come to you, and you've got to go tell it. You've got to go explain it. You've got to go let it be revealed to your family and to your neighbors. And so the man went away and began to, to tell in the Decapolis, which is the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. The points in your message notes that you'll have to see on the website or I'll send it to you or something is, look, demons are real. They really do. They, they, they are real. They really do try to influence you and me. They try to influence people. And 
there's only one solution, and it is Jesus himself who can get rid of them. You can wrestle. You can try to chain yourself. You can try to struggle through the bad habits and the things that you've, you've, you've accumulated over your life, but Jesus is the only way that you retain freedom. It's the only way you get real life. Close your eyes, bow your heads. We're going to come to the Lord's table. And I want you to, I want you to be willing. I want you to listen to this. In verse 6, do you remember? I told you to underline it. He said, the scripture says, he ran to him and fell down on his knees before him. This was before he was delivered of, of that demon. Can I tell you that nothing, nothing can keep you from Jesus. This man was full of demons. 6,862. That's worse off than any of you. <laughs> he came and that word for him, him being on his knees or bowing before Jesus is the same word that's used for worship in the scriptures. There is a moment here where when we come to Jesus and we're willing to come to him for everything and just surrender our lives. This man was desperate and he, he came to Jesus even with all his stuff and then Jesus delivered him. It's the only way it really works. So would you be willing to come to this table, the Lord's table, and see it as a table of provision? Would you see yourself, you know, the way we do it is we, we stand up and we walk to the to the station that's in front of your section. And, and I want you to see yourself as coming to Jesus. I want you to see yourself as bringing all that you are and being willing to leave all the baggage, all the stuff, all the history, all the woundedness, and be willing to let it go and be willing to take what Jesus has for you instead, his broken body for your wholeness in healing his blood for your forgiveness and cleansing. Would you be willing to worship him today and let him do something really profound in you to change your way of thinking, to change the influence that you're operating under, to break through all that junk and all that death that seems to be, you seem to be living among, in, uh, among the tombs and let life come into you? Father, we pray right now that you would give us a revelation of where we are as people who are trying to, trying to live free, people who are, are trying to live a full life. We, we come to you and we say, Lord Jesus, we, there's nothing that will fill us. There's nothing that will be as fulfilling and nothing as freeing as the life that you offer resurrection, power, and life. We thank you for this. And we offer ourselves to you. We allow you to do your work. Work your will and your way in us as we come to this moment to worship you. Because we believe you are greater. You have authority that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.